NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move made around the league. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana, and happy to have you with us on this Wednesday, May 19th. And joining me on today's podcast is Nick Filato. You've read him over on Giants Country. You've read him over on Big Blue View. He's got a podcast, Big Blue Banter. He is one of the best-kept secrets uh, on the Giants an analysis and beat. And uh, actually, I guess you're not a, a best-kept secret, Nick, because more and more people are starting to recognize your work and appreciate your work, which I'm glad to see. <laughs> you're too kind, Patty, but thank you so much. And I'm happy to be joining you on the podcast today. And always happy to have you. And Nick, let's uh, on today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the developments over the rookie mini camp. And then we're going to kind of spin things ahead and look at, you know, what's coming up uh, for the OTAs and for the mini camp next month. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's start off with the signings, the two veteran signings that the Giants made. They brought in Calvin Benjamin and Corey Clement. And let's start with Calvin Benjamin. I mean, did that kind of surprise you? that they brought him in? Yeah, it surprised me from the from the standpoint that they're trying him out at tight end because I acknowledge how difficult that transition really is to become a – you're a wide receiver. Like, And I always said about Kelvin Benjamin, he's a biscuit away from being a tight end when he was a wide receiver because he came into the league six foot five, 240 pounds. What I love about him is he has those like 35-inch arms. I think they're 34 and 7 eighths, but still incredibly long arms, huge catch radius. But to transition to tight end, Patty, that's going to be difficult, especially when we know Jason Garrett puts such a high priority on tight ends who can block. Now, he could block defensive backs because he had monster size, but blocking an edge rusher coming at you with a lot of momentum is a totally different proposition. So that's something that does worry me. But, I mean, as I look at this is, look, he can make the 90-man roster. Doesn't mean he's going to make the 53. You're giving this guy a tryout. Dave Gettleman drafted him in the first round. Back in 2014, so obviously they have some sort of relationship there. He hasn't seen the football field since 2018, but Dave Gettleman's going to allow him to prove himself. If he doesn't end up sticking with the New York Giants, now he has new tape that he can kind of showcase to other teams. So from a person, from a personal standpoint, it makes sense from that. I'm not overly optimistic that he's going to be making this roster, but the Giants probably also look at it and say, Kyle Rudolph, we're not 100% sure how healthy he'll be. I think they have the, uh, the kid that they brought in from Simon Fraser last year, the Canadian prospect, Ryson John, who's of a similar build, and they're trying to groom him to be a tight end. I would probably say that that would maybe be a better course of action. I'm, I haven't seen their film, to be honest, to really give a 
accurate portrayal of how both those players are. But when you're north of 30 years old, you haven't played in the NFL in two years, and then with work ethic concerns about you in the past, and the reason Joe Judge really wanted to bring you in was to see how coachable you are, he proved that. That's step one. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make the 53-man roster, but you're bringing in somebody who has good ball skills, is really, really good in red zone situations, incredibly long arms, which means a great catch radius. And I think those things are important, but ultimately, I don't necessarily feel like he's going to make the 53. Yeah, I would be surprised too. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, it's an opportunity for him to put some new tape together. But let me go back to something you said, Nick. You said that making the transition from wide receiver to tight end is is a, a challenge. Can you just dive in a little bit more as to what specifically is the most challenging aspect of it? I would think the inline blocking is going to be one thing, but are there other things that might make it more difficult to transition from receiver to tight end? I mean, inline blocking for certain, and we've seen really talented tight ends do this. I mean, Darren Waller did it when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. He was a wide receiver, and now he's with the Las Vegas Raiders, and he's a top three tight end in the league, but he's much more of a receiver, so they use him much more as receiver. I look at the Giants roster in general. We already have a tight end that's somewhat similar to that in an Evan Ingram, and I don't believe Evan Ingram is his roster spots compromised or anything like that because they brought in someone like Kelvin Benjamin, but in order to be an inline blocker, in Jason Garrett's system, you need to be able to hold up at the point of attack and you really need to be able to have that posterior strength to hold up. And Kelvin Benjamin has never done that before. He's used to stem or he's used to just blocking, stock blocking cornerbacks, coming off the line of scrimmage, finding them, using his length, and then trying to turn them like that. So a lot of it does come from the inline position and also just releasing off the line. Of, and this could be caught releasing off the line of scrimmage from a wide position, hand in the dirt is much different than releasing off the line of scrimmage as a receiver in plus splits or even in minus splits or even in the slot. So those those little nuances are going to be dip, uh, difficult for him to sort of adjust. I don't think the release is as big of a deal, but I do believe the blocking is going to be an issue. And also the way the Giants love to use their their H-backs and they love to put their tight ends at that position where they're off the line of scrimmage behind a tight end. And then they bring them on those counter trade plays to absolutely annihilate the first man in the hole with the backside guard also pulling to take out the end man on the line of scrimmage to the play side of the run play. I don't see Kellen Benjamin doing that. That's something for either Colin Gillespie or Caden Smith who did that well last year. So I just don't have a lot of, uh, optimism that he's going to be able to learn those little things that are going to eventually lead to him earning a roster spot. Yeah, certainly, if anything, you know, maybe a, a practice squad spot, assuming that the practice squad rules are the same as they were last year. And right now, mm -hmm. we don't know if that's going to be the case. But um, Kelvin Benjamin, I, I mean, I just don't see where he would fit in as a receiver. I mean, e even if they were to keep him or, or want to keep him, I mean, the Giants are pretty stacked at receiver. The way I see it, they have I think four or five guys that you could you probably say are are locked. Then you have what about six or seven guys now that are fighting for one more spot, assuming that they go um, with six receivers. So, um, with that said, I mean, last year the Giants used some eleven personnel. They didn't really use it as heavily, I think, as they have in the past. Now that they have more eleven, um, more wide receivers, do you see them using more eleven personnel? I do, I do, and I do believe Jason Garrett. Uh, generally likes to use more heavier tight end packages, 12, 13 personnel. But Kadarius Tony, from an athletic standpoint, is a much different player and a much superior player to Golden Tate, who was their 11 personnel 
wide receiver that they like to use in the slot and when they would put Sterling Shepard on the outside, although I believe Sterling Shepard's much better on the inside. I also think that he's the most underrated player on the offensive side of the football. But you just basically touched on it, Patty. Look at the wide receivers they have now. You bring in Kenny Galladay. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Darius Slayton. I know the Giants have dealt with injuries at this position. And then you still have some guys who might crack the back end of the roster, like a C.J. Board because of what he offers on special teams. You brought in John Ross. Is he going to make the roster? And then you draft Kadarius Toney. So I expect there to be more 11 personnel. Hopefully they use Kadarius Toney in a little bit more of a creative fashion, but he can also use him as a receiver at all three levels of the field. I think Jason Garrett's going to probably use more of those packages because of the personnel that he has and because he has a full offseason to prepare for the personnel that he has. Last year, he didn't have a full offseason, and I guarantee you probably, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Jason Garrett. I've been critical of him in the past, but he probably had a lot of plays designed for Saquon Barkley, and when Saquon Barkley went down, the Giants went into this mode of trying to find the next guy. They, they initially brought in Alfred or they initially brought in Devonta Freeman and then he ended up getting injured. And then they finally found a combination of Wayne Gallman and Alfred Morris. I think the combination of Saquon Barkley, and then if you want to spell him every once in a while with a Devonta Booker should be a lot better than anything that they had from the rushing game last year. You know, speaking of running backs, Nick, let's pivot over to Corey Clemente. Clement, that who they brought in, uh, former Eagle running back. Um, really not a surprise that they signed somebody to that position, but um, were you surprised it was him and what can he bring to the table? Yeah, I think he's somebody who actually may have a possibility. This one intrigues me more than the Kelvin Benjamin one. I think he has more of a possibility to make this roster because Corey Clement, he's still only 26 years old. He's a Jersey guy, went to the University of Wisconsin has a lot of receiving ability, solid in pass protection, and he has a ton of special teams reps under his belt. Like I think he's just south of 800 special teams reps. You know how much Joe Judge and his coaching staff value that. And he also has experience. I mean, he played in the Super Bowl. He had a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. I think he had like 100 yards receiving in that game. He was a big part of the game plan for Doug Peterson, Nick Foles back then with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017. And I think he's a solid runner. You know, he runs low to the ground, has that size that they appreciate, like about 5'10", 220 pounds, good contact balance. I think he could be a solid guy who can come in, play special teams snaps, compete with Gary Brightwell possibly for a roster spot, or maybe they could both use it because the running back position isn't overly strong, especially when you consider the fact that Saquon Barkley has been injured two straight seasons. He missed the entire season last year coming off that ACL and MCL injury. The year before he had a high ankle sprain, wasn't as affected as he was in his dynamic 2018 season. So it makes sense that they brought in Corey Clement. And I think he has a legitimate shot if he continues to prove and continues to show that he's coachable in training camp and throughout the summer. I think he has a legitimate shot to crack the roster. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest Nick Filato of Giants Country, Big Blue View, Big Blue Banter. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more on the New York Giants, where they're at and where they're headed right after this. What is good, Giants fans? Listen up. Nugenix is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, and they're offering complimentary bottles to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. That's DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T, to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass as well. There's a reason that Nugenix has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. Simply put, 
it works. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolutely free. Just text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Hey, Giant fans. This is Patricia Traina, host of the Locked on Giants podcast. If you're looking for a way to keep Giants football in the forefront during this offseason, pick up a copy of my new book, The Big 50 New York Giants, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. This 350-plus page book takes a deep dive into the rich history of the Giants franchise, covering every era with stories, photos, and more that take you behind the headlines. The Big 50 New York Giants is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, TriumphBooks.com, and wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today, and thank you to everyone for your support. Welcome back, Giant fans, to segment two of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Nick Filato, who writes for Giants Country, Big Blue View, who has a podcast, Big Blue Banter. Uh, check out his work, folks. You will uh, find some new stuff, actually, that Nick has written for Giants Country. I'm really excited to roll that out, and as soon as I get videos done for those uh, particular articles. I will be rolling them out. Good stuff as always. And Nick, let's talk about the state of the Giants right now. Um, it, at the rookie minicamp, they only had two offensive linemen. They, they seem determined to go ahead with what they have. But how concerned are you given the state of the offensive line and the question marks that exist at, at that unit? Yeah, I, I have concern for sure because you're. I, first off, I think this situation having Rob Sales, the offensive line coach, let's lay the framework out first, Patty. I think this is a much more stable situation than what happened last year, and not just because of the truncated offseason and all the COVID restrictions and the lack of uh, offseason training program and all those things, but because Mark Colombo and Joe Judge didn't seem to work all that well together. We all know what ended up happening between those two. And then they had to bring in Dave Guglielmo to kind of help stabilize and be the offensive line coach. There was just never a stable room there. So let's lay that out. I think bringing in Rob Sell is going to help. But even with that, you're still relying on five offensive pieces because Kevin Zeitler is no longer there to kind of take the next step in their game. And I feel like if there's anything that's going to hold this offense back, there's three things. It's a three-pronged approach, I guess you could say. Jason Garrett, if he doesn't kind of really fix the unimaginative play calling that he had last year. Daniel Jones, if he doesn't take that next step and really show himself in the second year in this Jason Garrett system. And then this offensive line. And all these things work together. It's collective. They, they are all intertwined, obviously. And the offensive line, I mean, Andrew Thomas, good film, the end of the year last year, right? Beginning of the year was somewhat of a disaster. He was one of the worst left tackles in the league. It was great to see him kind of stabilize towards the end of the year. The Baltimore game, the Arizona game weren't great. But on the whole, I think you could say that you're optimistic about that. Then at left guard, you have Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux, to me, from a run-blocking standpoint, fit what Jason Garrett and Joe Judge wanted to do from a physicality standpoint and from a backside pulling guard standpoint. He actually got out of his stance really quickly, found the end man on the line of scrimmage, did a good job locating. But from a pass protection standpoint, I have my concerns there. And I think I think every Giant fan should have some concerns with that because there were snaps where he was just beat third down, second down and long. He was just beat right off the snap and he couldn't recover. And then Daniel Jones wouldn't even hit his back foot before he had somebody at his feet. It just threw off the entire timing of the play. That can't happen. Can Shane Lemieux progress from that? Of course, absolutely. But you're still banking on that. Center Nick Gates. 
love that what he was able to do last year. I think he exceeded my expectations as an undrafted tackle out of Nebraska, moving to center and then excelling. But this is still now going to be a second year. Defenses now have tape on him. He still needs to kind of maintain what he's able to do and hopefully even take that to the next level. Can that happen? Absolutely, but still somewhat of a projection because he's young with that position. Will Hernandez has been here since 2018. His only solid tape that he really had was 2018. Can he take a next step if he's the starter at right guard? You would hope. And you have Zach Fulton as a swing guard. I, I'm not too optimistic about that, but he hopefully he doesn't have to see the field if the other two are healthy and playing relatively well. And then Matt Parrott, who, you know, he has solid film, Patty, from last year, but he also has pretty bad film, and he was always a projection to begin with. So you're really hoping that he can scratch the surface of the potential that we all thought he had coming out of UConn when the Giants selected him with the 99th pick back in 2020. So it's, it's a lot of projection. It's a lot of hoping. And it's all realistic that it can happen. But if it doesn't, I don't really feel like we should be surprised either. So that kind of puts you in a situation where you're like, all right, let's hope this coaching staff can really unlock the, the best traits of these guys. But it's, none of them are proven like Kevin Zeitler was. And that's, that, that carries some concern. Yeah, for sure. Now, Nick, I want to ask you about the guards specifically because you would think that, you know, it, the only major difference is, okay, instead of putting your left hand down, you're putting your right hand down at right guard as opposed to left guard. But what other differences are there in the way the Giants are set up between the left and the right guard in terms of skill set, desired skill set? Like, for example, I've heard some people say, oh, Shane Lemieux would be a better fit at left guard and Will Hernandez would be a better fit at right guard given their skill set. So can you just kind of dive into that a little bit and clarify that? Well, for me, I think it's more so what the – so first off, your footwork and your hands are incredibly important to playing offensive line, but I think your feet are even more important. It's what you are able to do with your feet. So learning a right guard, if you used to be a left guard, is going to be a difficult proposition for you because your footwork is entirely different. Now, I don't like necessarily view it at – so it depends on what offense you run. If you're going to run more to the right side and you're a power gap team, then that left guard needs to be better at pulling. But that doesn't necessarily need to be a thing. I mean, you can call your plays based on – Okay, I run to the left side. My right guard's a better puller, so I want to pull that backside guard being the right guard. I'm going to run to the left side a little bit more. Now, are you running a counter play where you're going to run to the weak side and you want to then you want to execute those types of runs, but if you're going to want to run to the strong side and your strong side's to the right and that's the field side of the formation because it's all it'll all end up being contextual, then you want that left guard to be the backside puller. I don't really see too many differences from that standpoint to be honest but for me it all comes down to what they're used to and both if we're going to just talk about the Giants personnel real quick both Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux are used to playing left guard so you're going to need one of them to learn the right guard and that's where it becomes somewhat of an issue if they don't train it which I'm sure they are because I've seen Will Hernandez taking snaps and sets from the right guard position with his opposite foot and what he's used to doing but throughout college and everything they were they were all left guards, I want to say. I mean, I think Shane Lemieux played every snap at left guard at Oregon. I'm pretty sure Will Hernandez played every snap in college as well at left guard. So you're going to need them to learn that footwork and then be able to have the, I guess you could say, coordination to get those hands, the hand usage differently too, because your hands are going to be used in a totally different manner if you're playing right guard as opposed to left guard. And and that's from a pass set standpoint. That's from a run blocking standpoint. That's from really any standpoint. So that's what I can say. But in terms of just, oh, he's more of a left guard than a right guard, I don't necessarily see that as much with the NFL where you have defensive ends that 
rush the passer from each angle. Like it used to be like, oh, left tackles are so much more important than right tackles because it's the blind side. That I can agree with. But now you have defensive ends and edge rushers rushing from that opposite side who are as talented as the ones who are rushing from the right side of a defense, meaning the ones who are lined up over the left side or the left tackle on the offense. So I don't see as much of a difference in that. You mentioned Matt Paert, and obviously the Giants want him to win that position at right tackle. If he struggles, though, the backup plan seems to be uh, Nate Solder, who I think the last time he played right tackle was in his rookie season. You know, he's also coming off of, you know, a year away from the game, you know, where he opted out because of COVID. Realistically speaking, could he be counted on in a pinch, you know, if something were to not go according to plan with Matt Paert? So it would all depend on what the Giants are doing in the offseason. And I'm imagining the Giants are seeing this from the same standpoint. They're seeing Nate Solder as somebody who can play left tackle if Andrew Thomas gets injured or could play right tackle if Matt Parrott doesn't work out or Matt Parrott gets injured. So I'm, or I'm, at least, I'm hopeful that the Giants are training him on the right side, getting those sets all stabilized and making sure he can do a vertical set from that 45-degree set a jump set, all that kind of stuff. So I'm imagining throughout training camp and in the preseason and all that, he's going to be tried there. So that will give me that, um, I guess, it would give me more of a warm and fuzzy that he has the reps there throughout the entire offseason. He's not just kind of getting thrown to the fire midseason if an injury were to happen. The Giants have to be cognizant of their current situation. So, I mean, it's hard for me to say because we haven't seen him, if he can do it. But with the training and with the coaching and with the reps, then one would imagine that he can theoretically execute that assignment. It's just, it's hard to kind of gauge how effective he's going to be because he hasn't played football in over a year. In the last season we saw him, he was one of the worst left tackles in pass protection. So you're, I'm a little hesitant about it, but like I said, those reps should definitely help. And I'm imagining the Giants are giving him those reps or they will give him those reps this summer. Last question before we go to the break. Do you think the Giants are keeping their eyes open to add to that unit? I mean, we heard Dave Gettleman say during, you know, after the draft that they were looking at a couple of guys, but they were gone by the time, you know, the Giants went on the clock and then the value didn't match up and all that stuff. So does that leave you to believe that they might be looking to add, whether it be, you know, post-training camp cuts or, or I don't know, maybe there's somebody out there that we just don't know of that they're, they're eyeballing as we speak? Certainly. I think a post-training camp cuts, 53-man cuts, and also post-June 1st cuts, if there's anybody who ends up being released from another team. I think Dave Gettleman and the front office, the pro scouting department of the New York Giants will definitely look to invest if they feel like a player can come in and actually compete for maybe the swing guard spot with Zach Fulton especially if Zach Bolton doesn't live up to what they expected from him early on in training camp. I think the Giants will look to do that, like they did with Caden Smith when he was cut from the San Francisco 49ers a few years back. I want to say that was 2019. They added him to the roster, cut somebody that they felt like wasn't as capable as him, and now Caden Smith has become a pretty solid contributor to this offense. I mean, Dave Gettleman has never really been shy with bringing in those guys who are cast away from other teams. And I would definitely support that as well if the Giants feel like that player can be a uh, somebody who could potentially even start for the Giants if, you know, the Hernandez's and Lemieux struggle, which I don't necessarily see that happening, but definitely for Zach Fulton because you need depth, Patty, on that offensive line. You really, really need depth because last year the Giants really weren't injured 
on the offensive line. There was, you know, here and there, there was the guys who missed games and there had to be some moving around. But if you suffer a catastrophic injury to one of those guards, then you're looking at Zach Fulton stepping in. And then you have what Kyle Murphy behind him, the two undrafted guys. And I can't say how far along in the development of Kyle Murphy is. Maybe they're high on him, but still you kind of want a little bit more security in if that situation happens to arise. Totally agree. Folks, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Nick Filato. We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, we're going to talk defense and also a look ahead. So stay with us. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, regardless of the sport or the major event. Bet online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, offering real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you enter the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your sportsbook experts. Hey, Giant fans, if you haven't tried the all-new Built Bar, you're really missing out. They offer an amazing assortment of flavors, both of the nut and nut-free varieties, which is sure to appease any taste. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they really taste like you're eating a candy bar. Except you're not. You're indulging in a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber treat that's great for the keto diet or any diet plan you happen to be on. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And uh, we are talking with Nick Filato, who writes for Giants Country. He writes for Big Blue View. He has his own podcast, Big Blue Banter. So he is all things Giants, does a great job. And make sure you check out Giants Country this coming week. Nick's got a couple of uh, breakdowns, good, great, and ugly uh, analysis, film breakdowns that are outstanding. So I can't wait for you to see them. And Nick, let's talk now about the the Giants defense, because as I see it, the edge rushers, still a little bit of a uncertainty as to how that's going to shake out. You've got Lorenzo Carter coming back from an Achilles injury, which is a pretty difficult one to come back from. But how do you kind of see the, the snaps being distributed amongst all the edge rushers they have? And can they maybe move? I don't know. It, does Carter Coughlin still continue to have a future as an edge rusher? Or is he maybe now going to transition back to inside linebacker? I think Carter Coughlin will probably lose his role as an edge rusher early on to Ellerson Smith and Aziz Ojolari, but he may be worked in there every now and again if he continues to, you know, give 110% in practice. But I think if Lorenzo Carter is healthy, and I'll stand by this, man. <laughs> Lorenzo Carter, Patty, I feel like if he didn't injure himself, a lot more people would know who Lorenzo Carter is. And I know it was, what, like 10 snaps into week five, he ended up carrying his Achilles, and he only had one sack before that. But if you watch him kind of play the run and see his development and just still see the potential of him being able to convert that speed to power and and just the the potential of his upside, 
as a pass rusher. It wasn't overly consistent, but there were traits there that just cannot be taught because he was just an athletic freak, and he's only 25 years old right now. I really contend that I think he could have been really, really effective last year for the Giants, but he ends up getting injured. But if he comes back and is 90% of who he was, even or last year, you know, I'm sure he'll be ingratiated into the lineup early on. He might not just start right away, but having him and Aziz Ojolari, I think, would be the two guys who play the majority of snaps if both fully healthy. I think Ellerson Smith is going to work into the rotation on third down because I think him and Leonard Williams in the slant stunt game, all those kind of things, I think that could be really, really fun to watch. They're both very, very long. They're both very, very explosive. And I think if you get any of them, the ability to kind of get around the half man of an offensive lineman, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see. I think that's something that I'm looking forward to. And then Odenabo is somebody that plays with good leverage, has effective hand usage. I think he can be somebody who plays a little bit here and there on third down. But also, I wouldn't write him off for early down snaps, especially early in the season, if he continues to kind of show that he is a hard worker and that you know he buys into everything that Patrick Graham is preaching. So I think that the Carter Coughlins and the Cam Browns, you, you may see them every now and again, but they're going to be more special teams guys. I think everyone the Giants add in the offseason is upgrades over them unless they take significant steps, which they could. But to be realistic, Cam Brown was a six-round pick last year who was a linebacker. Carter Coughlin was a seventh-round pick last year. And Carter Coughlin, in terms of him being an inside linebacker, I know he did a little bit of that with the Minnesota Golden Globers, but he was mainly an edge rusher. It's just he's undersized. I think Tay Crowder is going to be that that inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez. And if not him, it's going to be Reggie Ragland. And then possibly on third downs where you may not want Reggie Ragland in those passing situations, maybe you can see Aaron Robinson or Jabril Peppers drop down and play next to Jabril or to play next to Blake Martinez because the Giants have a lot of secondary pieces that they can kind of spread around. I mean, you still have Darnay Holmes. You can play the slot. You have Xavier McKinney, Logan Ryan to play the safeties. If they want to roll two high split safety looks. So the Giants put themselves in the roster in a position where they could do a lot of different things and they shouldn't have any glaring liabilities on the field on defense like they did last year because they added a Dory Jackson, they drafted Aaron Robinson, and they addressed that second outside cornerback position, which is something that I really love, the fact that they did that because it's going to allow Patrick Graham to just diversify his coverages and really mess with opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question was about the secondary, you know, because they, they added Aaron Robinson, who looks like he's more of a slot cornerback. And so I was going to kind of ask you, you know, how do you see that shaking out? Because now they've got Jabril Peppers, they can drop down there, Logan Ryan, um, Julian Love, I think, can drop down in the slot. I mean, they have so many options and, and moving these guys around is, I mean, it sounds like the possibilities are endless. Possibilities can be endless if everyone stays healthy. And I, I really like Aaron Robinson. I think he's very, very fluid in man coverage. He, he flips his hips on a dime and he doesn't lose any momentum. And he has that short area quickness to kind of explode right when he does flip his hips. His change of direction is great. And I like Darnay Holmes too. I don't think he's somebody to be low on either. I think Aaron Robinson may be a little bit better for the press man type of things that the Giants may be looking to run, but I went back and I watched some Darnay Holmes film from him at UCLA when he was a boundary cornerback, when he was an outside cornerback. He was pretty disciplined at the line of scrimmage with, with uh, while in a press alignment. So, I mean, he has good tape dating back to college of him doing that. But, I mean, you, you want to bring in these secondary pieces for the future as well. You know, you get Aaron Robinson. He's somebody who can be groomed if injuries do happen. You, you don't want to put yourself into a position where you're where you're playing the, and it's no offense to Isaac Yidem, but where, you're, where you have Isaac Yidem on the field and the Ryan Lewises and all those guys out there. And when you have somebody like, or when you have a safety group 
like Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan. You could throw Aaron Robinson in there because he could play star linebacker. He's not really a safety. And then you have Julian Love. I mean, you could just do so many different things with your coverages and show blitz, drop somebody. I mean, a lot of those guys can kind of play middle of the field, closed center field roles. I mean, I think that's more so for Xavier McKinney, maybe Julian Love, who they used in that role last year. And you could drop Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers down into the box. But you could just still disguise a lot of different coverages. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to manipulate that quarterback and have him guessing one thing and then you throw a curveball at him bait him into interceptions like we saw a couple times last year I mean the Giants won that game against the Washington football team when they ran when they ran that inverted cover two and Alex Smith didn't even see him and he threw an intercept didn't even see Logan Ryan chilling in the middle of the field he thought he dropped to the deep center field and he drops down and spaded the interception and basically secured a win for the New York Giants so I think you can see more of that with the better players and the better personnel the Giants now have on their roster. Absolutely. And the, let's not forget, I think more and more teams are going with bigger slot receivers. You know, sometimes they put a tight end in there and, you know, no disrespect to Darnay Holmes, but that's a size mismatch. And even though Darnay Holmes played bigger, um, you know, now the Giants have another option to put in that slot if they find themselves going up against a, a bigger slot receiver. Yeah, and I know, and it's, it's kind of wild to think about too, Patty, because I think back to 2019 and the, the defense with James Betcher, there were a lot of holes in it and there were a lot of miscommunications and DeAndre Baker showed traits that were promising, yet he had so many mental lapses that led to huge broken plays. We didn't see that as much last year, but in 2019, I remember talking about how the Giants needed to upgrade over Grant Haley, somebody I had a lot of respect for because Grant Haley was a pound-for-pound pound tough tackling physical type of cornerback but he just couldn't guard the vertical slot and that's something that you hope wouldn't happen in 2020 I felt like Darnay Holmes did a good job at executing those assignments but then you look at some games like the Cowboys game where the Cowboys had CeeDee Lamb an exceptional wide receiver that can line up in the slot and they were just getting beat with those over routes over and then it would just beat the underneath defender or could have been Darnay Holmes or the linebackers I think it was Darnay Holmes sometimes but it wasn't every time and then just kind of drop the ball in a perfect place right before Adrian Colbert, who I think was the safety in that first game in week five, came down and took a couple penalties by hitting CeeDee Lamb really hard. But I'm sure the Giants looked and they were like, we really need to prevent the Cowboys from using CeeDee Lamb so effectively in the slot in those three-by-one sets. So maybe they were thinking, hey, Aaron Robinson can do this a little bit better. Or if Darnay Holmes is struggling, we could bring in Aaron Robinson and just Aaron Robinson in general just allows them to do so many different things. So upgrading that that slot position in today's modern NFL, you're right. A lot of bigger receivers, a lot of talented receivers. You need to basically find the best man for that job. And now the Giants have two effective options. That, well, actually, you can even say more because you could play Xavier McKinney there. You could play Julian Love there. But just out of those two cornerbacks, they should both be effective enough options to at least put out there and have them compete see whoever the best option to cover those types of receivers, like C.D. Lamb in the slot. Whichever one rises. We'll see, I guess. Nick, one last thing I want to talk about, and and interestingly, it kind of came up over the rookie mini camp, but it hasn't been discussed enough, and that's special teams. You know, last year the Giants' special teams just they had their issues, which was kind of surprising, given you know that they were solid with Thomas McGahee, and you know you figure with Joe Judge and his background coming in, special teams, the coverage units would be you know even more solid. I don't think we saw enough of maybe what we were anticipating. And I remember last year you had done a, uh, an analysis 
for Giants Country on what we might see some of the Patriot concepts incorporated into, um, you know, the Giants special team. So that said, let's, I know special teams, they have to kind of work through the personnel and whatnot, but do you feel that they've upgraded enough the personnel to where maybe some of the problems they had with some of the coverage units will go away? You would hope, and I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals had the, the kick return that comes to mind. And also, Dion Lewis didn't really help because he didn't add that much juice to being a kick returner. And he also fumbled the football a bit too much for my liking. But you would hope that the upgrades in personnel, which I do believe that was the reason for the Rodarius Williams and the Gary Brightwell picks, you would hope that that would upgrade it. But still, it all comes down to execution. You can have the best thing drew up. I mean, the coaches can coach and put their players into the best position. But if it's not well executed by the players, which, I mean, they're all humans out there and players they're going up against have a job as well. So if they just get out-competed for a spot, then they're going to lose that rep. So a lot of it just kind of ends up happening on the field. And then it gives you the perception that the special teams unit is really, really bad because there was a huge broken play, which we did see last year. But I'm imagining now second year with Joe Judge had an influence over this roster that that should be cleared up but all it takes is one mistake Patty and if one person doesn't execute their assignment like the coach told them then that's going to be an issue and those people who tend to make those mistakes tend to not be on the roster super long and a lot of people who are on that roster are only on that roster because of special teams and that's why we don't see guys like Nate Ebner still on the roster because it just seemed like he didn't have that that juice or that that athletic ability to kind of continue being what he was for the New England Patriots. So I'm hoping that it is a little bit more refined, a little bit better, and hoping that everybody who ends up dressing and playing, all 11 of them, on special teams unit are able to execute their assignments effectively because one mistake and it's not good, Patty. No, it's not. And they certainly need to be better across the board because, you know, it's playoffs or bust. John Mara didn't come right out and say that, but you kind of got the impression that that's what they're thinking. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you, when you invest this much in an off season, that's the, that's what you're basically telling your fan base. That's what you're telling your general manager. Who's on a hot seat and credit to Dave Gettleman for actually trading back a couple of times and getting future assets that he might not be the general manager to kind of reap the rewards from that. It's an all in from that standpoint. And like we've talked about in the past, Patty, if Dave Gettleman goes, how likely is it that Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback here? I mean, that's they're tied at the hip, essentially. And honestly, if the Giants do struggle this year and Daniel Jones is healthy, then it, a lot of it could be at the, laid at the feet of Daniel Jones. And now that John Mara and the Giants can be like, yo, look, we got you Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph. You have a healthy Saquon Barkley back, hopefully. And then you have Kadarius Toney. So why didn't you get this done? And I think a lot of factors can kind of be weighed into it. Well, let's hope that defense plays to the 2020 level. That's a whole other thing. I think they should be able to. There's nothing that suggests to me that they can. I mean, they lost Alvin Tomlinson, but I feel like that his skill set can be replicated adequately. It's not going to be as effective as Alvin Tomlinson. But Leonard Williams had a breakout year last year. He had 11 and a half sacks. We need something like that to happen again. Hopefully getting Zizo Jalari, Ellerson Smith, and all these other pass rushers will help Leonard Williams play up to that level rather than the level that he played to the year before, albeit I believe that he was actually pretty effective the year before getting pressure on the quarterback. He just never really got home. But getting home, I mean, that ends drives and that gets the football back for your offense. And hopefully this year that offense can be better than 31st in scoring in yards. So there's a lot to kind of contemplate. There's a lot to consider. But if the Giants are a sub-500 team this year, this 
it's going to be a different regime in here outside of Joe Judge, who I believe is safe. Yeah, I agree with you. It's playoffs or bust or, you know, they may have to tear this thing down again. And uh, look, they've already torn it down, what, three times? So let's just hope that they've got the right people in place, that uh, their conviction about the offensive line and the the receivers and all the stuff that they've added, you know, and, and what they've lost and it all comes together because I don't know about you, Nick, but I can't go through another year of of loss after loss after loss. You know, it's it's weighing it's weighing on everybody. I mean, this 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 franchise is a proud franchise in the National Football League. Mariners know that, the Tishes know that, and the fact that we've had one playoff appearance since 2011, I think it speaks volumes that this this ownership group is getting a little bit impatient, especially when they had to foot the bill of this offseason, which was pretty expensive, to be honest, Patty. Indeed. Nick, great stuff. Appreciate the time. As always, folks, make sure you check him out on Giants Country. Again, he's got a couple of uh, film breakdowns that are outstanding. I took a look at them uh, before we take this podcast. And like I said, once I get the videos all together, those will be coming out. Check him out over on Big Blue View. Check him out on Big Blue Banter. And also find him on Twitter at Nick Filato. For Nick Filato, I'm Patricia Trena. Thanks, Giant fans, so much for tuning in. We will talk to you tomorrow. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.